Namaskaram. Um, that was uh, Sadhuam singing verse uh, 14 of uh, Sri Arunachakram Lai, which is the verse I'm going to be talking about today. Um, what Bhagavan uh, sings in this verse is Auvepol Enukun Arule Tandu Ene Aluvadungadan Arunachala. What that means is Arunachala, like a mother, giving me your grace, taking charge of me is your duty. Um, the word he uses for grace is arul. Um, it's uh, I'll explain it after. It's got a range of meanings. Um, and I'll, I'll also explain the meaning of the word uh, taking charge, because these were key words in this verse. Um, so the first word of the verse is alve, which means a mother an older or respected woman, or a female ascetic. But in this context, its primary meaning is a mother. And pole is a particle of comparison that means like or similar to or as. So alve pole means like a mother. This comparison to a mother applies not only to a next clause, enaku un aralei tandu, giving me your grace, but also to the main clause, uh, taking charge of me is your duty. Enaku um, is a dative form of a first-person singular pronoun, so it means to me. Un is the, a genitive form of a second-person singular pronoun, so it means your. Arle is an accusative uh, singular form of arul, which means more or less the same as the Sanskrit terms uh, karuna, kripa, or anugraha, namely kindness, tenderness, affection, love, solicitude, compassion, benevolence, pity, mercy, and um, most importantly, divine grace and blessing. Um, and tandu is an adverbial participle that means giving. So enaku un arale tandu uh, is an adverbial clause that means giving me your grace. Um, just a little bit about the way things are expressed in Tamil. In English, if we were to express this, we would probably uh, have um use two verbal nouns we would say giving me your grace and taking charge of me is your duty but in tamil it's customary to have um well in the case of uh here it's not a finite verb but in the case of a finite verb a sentence will have one finite verb and all other verbs uh are um are adverbial participles uh so for example uh instead of saying 
sitting and eating, you'd say sitting, eating. That is, sitting would be the... Uh, uh, would be an adverbial participle, and eating would be a verbal noun. Um, so that is the, the the relation between the first and the second. I mean, the first clause, which is uh, um, uh, giving me your grace, and the main clause, which is taking me as your own is your duty. Um, the implication is it is your duty to give me your grace and to take me as your own, uh, like a mother. Um, so the um, the main clause is ene aluvadu unkadan. Ene is a poetic abbreviation of ene. That is one letter is dropped. That is just for poetic reasons, which is the accusative uh, form of the first person singular pronoun. So it means me. Aluvadu is a verbal noun um, from the verb al which is an extremely significant verb in Bhagavan's teachings and one that he uses frequently in its various forms in uh, Sri Aranach Aksharamlai and other songs of uh, Sri Aranach Stutipanchakam. Um, I, I discussed this uh, word in detail when I explained um, was explaining verse 4. Um, so I'll just summarize now what I explained then, which was... Um, Al is a word for which there's no adequate English equivalent because it combines within itself two principal meanings, namely on the one hand to rule, govern or control, control or manage, and on the other hand to cherish, care for, take care of or, um, or, or lovingly take responsibility for the welfare and protection of. So I generally translate it as to take charge in the sense that a caring adult may take charge of an orphan child, meaning that they will take, they will lovingly take full responsibility for the welfare, care, protection, and upbringing of the child. So it really means taking full responsibility for, but it also has that sense of uh, bringing under control. Um, so this, this wayward mind needs to be brought under a control of Bhagavan, that is the idea. Um, uh, um, so this word alovadu, as I say, I, I generally translate it as to take charge, but it can also be translated as to take possession of or to take as one's own, in the sense that a bridegroom takes his bride as his own, meaning that he takes full responsibility for protecting and taking care of her in every way. So ene alovadu is a noun phrase that means taking charge of me in the sense of lovingly taking care and control of me as your own. Um, in his Poriparai, that is explanatory paraphrase for this verse, Murugana interprets Ene Aluvadu as Unudu Tiruvadiku Ene Urumeaki Kolludal. That means making me what belongs to your divine feet or making me a possession of your divine feet. Uh, so the word there for what belongs to or, or uh, possession is um, is urime. But urime means uh, not only a possession or something that is owned or what belongs in the ordinary sense of such terms, because it's got a range of other meanings, including 
wife, uh, another another meaning is adime, uh, which is a Tamil word that means a, a slave or dependent, uh, and is used particularly in the sense of a devotee who is wholly surrendered to God. Such a devotee is a slave of his, subservient to him and dependent upon him. So that's the significance of the word adime. Uh, another uh, sense in which urumei is also used is in the sense of kadame, which means duty or obligation, implying in this case, one whom our natural is obliged to take charge of. It also means love, affection or tenderness, implying here one who by virtue of her surrender is a special target of Arunachala's love and affection. And it also means liberty or privilege arising from intimacy or friendship, implying here uh, one over whom Arunachala has complete liberty and rights due to the intimacy of their mutual love. Um, that is... If we if we have a very close and loving relationship with a person, we we can take certain liberties with that person, but we wouldn't take with anyone else. It's in that sense. So all these meanings are contained in in this word urime, um, which is used by Murugana. Um, as I say, the main meaning of urime is um <clears throat> is possession in the sense of ownership. It also means uh, a possession or what is owned or what belongs. Um, so uh, by paraphrasing Nayalavadu, um, that is taking me as your own, as Unudu Tiruvadiku Urumeaki Kolludal, making me Urume to your feet, to your divine feet. Murugana indicates that all these various meanings of urime are implied in this word aluvadu, taking charge of or taking as your own. So this is a this is a this is a word. It, it, this is why it's so difficult to adequately translate this word in English because it's got so many uh, deep connotations. In his uh, Tamil commentary of Vilakavrai on this verse, Saduam explains the meaning of Alvudu, uh, taking charge of or taking as your own, and also the nature of grace as follows. I'll just read a translation of, uh, of what he, what he um, uh, wrote there. What he wrote is, regarding Alvudu, the devotee being completely fixed or established under the rule or reign or sovereignty of grace, devoid of swatantra, freedom or independence, to rise as ego, in other words, devoid of any separate existence for herself, is the meaning. That means that is the meaning of Alavadu. And then he goes on to say, this alone is Aro, grace. Since what is called grace is the power that is able to remove the misery of the jiva and give him the attainment of happiness, Getting whatever one prays for is not correct and or complete grace. That is, people often think that grace is if 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 God is gracious to you, He'll give you everything you want. That is not the real grace. The real, the, 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 that is the the purpose of grace and what is the the greatest of all the, the most perfect and complete form of grace is that which removes all our misery and uh, gives us happiness. 
And then Saram goes on to say, since Dukkha Nivritti, cessation of misery, and Sukha Prapti, attainment of happiness, can be achieved permanently and completely only in the state in which ego has been annihilated, cessation of separate individuality alone is the correct and complete grace. Only for such grace is Sri Bhagavan praying here to Arunachala. In other words, he, he, he's, he's explaining here that the, the, the fullness of grace is what is called Dalavadu, and that is nothing but annihilation of ego. So, in other words, in this context, N.A. Alavadu taking charge, that, that's the end of what Sadhuam had explained, so I'll come back to my explanation. In other words, in this context, N.A. Alavadu taking charge of me or taking me as your own implies annihilating ego, devouring me completely, absorbing me into yourself as yourself, making me inseparably and indivisibly one with you making me be nothing other than you, as I always am. So these are all the implications of uh, Alavadu. Um, and then this, this, this N.A. Alavadu occurs in the main clause, which is N.A. Alavadu un kadan. So uh, as I mentioned above, un means your, and kadan means duty or obligation. So N.A. Alavadu un kadan aranachala, means Arunachala taking charge of me is your duty, thereby implying that it is his, his duty to complete the work he has started by eradicating ego entirely. Therefore, the whole verse, Auvepol enokun arle tan dene aluvadun kadan Arunachala, means Arunachala, like a mother, giving me your grace, taking charge of me is your duty. Avoid giving me your grace and taking charge of me is your duty. Um, it is your duty to give me your grace and to take charge of me. Otherwise, to finish the work you've begun. Um, in his explanatory paraphrase, Poriparai, Murugana um, interprets Auvepol uh, like a mother as Tai Tan Il Bahave Tan Pileku. Arulumaru Pola. That means um, like the manner in which a mother, by her very nature, is gracious, kind, tender, or affectionate, loving, um, benevolent to her child. So this is what he considered to be the principal meaning of this phrase. However, in his uh, commentary, Viseda Burai, he explained that Alve Pol. Uh, like a mother, can also be interpreted to, to mean Alve Ku Pol, like a mother or as to a mother, implying as you did to or for mother. Because in Tamil poetry, it's not unusual for case endings, in this case for fourth or dative case ending, to be omitted. So if it's interpreted in this sense, um, Murugana suggests three ways uh, this could be, three um, three meanings that, we, that could be attributed to this. It can mean just as you, in the form of your, this addressing Arunacha, so just as you, in the form of your son Ganapati, graciously enabled Alvaya, who was an ancient Tamil saint and poetess, to see Kailash. That's one meaning. The second meaning he suggests is just as you graciously gave the left half of your 
body to Uma Devi, the mother of the world. This is referring to the story of uh, Adinarishwara, which is a form of Shiva in which the left half of his body is his divine consort. So it's a, uh, Adinari means half male, uh, Ada means half, Nari means uh, 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 female. So it's a half female form of God. In other words, it's, it's the male and female forms merge together. Um, uh, uh, so the significance of Adonarishwara, it signifies the oneness of Shiva and Shakti. In other words, the oneness of God and his power. That is, God and his power are not two different things. They're one and the same. Um, so that's a, a second uh, meaning, if we take it as uh, just as to a mother. The third meaning, uh, he suggests, is just as you graciously gave your divine state to my mother, that is, he's, Murugan is putting it in Bhagavan's words, so he refers to Bhagavan's mother as my mother. So, I mean, it, it understood this in quotation, that he's, this is what Bhagavan implied he's suggesting. That is referring to a fact that Arunacha would later grant liberation to his Bhagavan's mother. Um, of these three possible interpretations, the one that is most appropriate in the context of this uh, marriage garland or manamale is just as you graciously gave the left half of your body to Uma Devi, because this is concerning her complete and inseparable union with her beloved Lord Shiva, which is the goal uh, that Bhagavan is praying for in this Akshara Manamale. The other two of these three interpretations are less um Appropriate. The first one, because Bhagavan is not praying to see Kailash. He's praying for complete union with Arunachala, losing himself completely in Arunachala. So that first one is not so appropriate. And also, um, as Murgana has to explain there, it's not, it wasn't in the story of Alvaya, it was Ganapati who, who enabled her to see Kailash. So he's saying, he explains there, but it is the, the action of the son is attributed to the father. Um, so it's a little bit, um, I mean, we can see that meaning there, but it's a little bit um, stretching it to, to take that interpretation. And the other interpretation, one about Bhagavan's mother, um, uh is also a little bit stretching it because Bhagavan composed Akshram Malai in 1912, uh, nearly 10 years before his mother was uh, granted the divine state of oneness with Arunachala. Um, but but Murugana isn't emphasizing these as main meanings. He's saying these are possible meanings. But of these three, these are three ways which people can interpret if they like to. He says it, it is, it's also suitable to interpret this way. It means it, it's permissible. Um, but of these three, the, the one about Adhanarishwara, uh, um, the merging of, of Shiva and Shakti, that is the most appropriate one to the, uh, in the context of this song. And um, with regard to the story of Adhanarishwara, in which the goddess Uma Devi uh, attained oneness Aikya with Lord Shiva, Murugana notes that, as narrated in the Puranas, the form of Lord Shiva in which she merged as one is Arunachala. And this is also implied by Bhagavan in the second half of verse one of, uh, of Arunachala Navamani Malai. What Bhagavan says in the second half of that verse is, 
Achala Uruvil Achakti Odungida Ongum Arunachalam Indrari. That means know that when that Shakti, meaning the Divine Mother, subsides back in the motionless form of the that is the, the fundamental form of Lord Shiva. That is, in his real nature, Lord Shiva is actually motionless. So, uh, when she when she subsides back into his motionless form, Arunachalam is exalted. That is, in the motionless form of uh, uh, of Arunachalam, which rises high above all his other forms, Lord Shiva shines exalted in his natural state of pure being. That is the implication there. Um, just uh, um, Murugan in his commentary, he refers only to the last two lines there, which are the only two lines that are relevant here. But just to put this explanation into context, what Bhagavan sings in, um, in, in the first verse of Arunachan Navin Manimalai, there's actually a story about this. That is, there was, when Bhagavan was, um, in the early days when Bhagavan was living on the hill, there was one uh, Dikshita, that is a priest from uh, Chidambaram Temple, who often used to visit Bhagavan. And he was, he was a genuine devotee. He was really coming to Bhagavan with devotion. But um, perhaps he didn't understand the full greatness of Bhagavan. So he, was, he, he had a desire in his heart that Bhagavan should come and have darshan of, of, uh, of Chidambaram. So he, whenever he came, he used to talk about the greatness of Chidambaram. And um, he said... Um, among the, the Panchabuddha lingas, the, the, there's a linga for each of the five elements. Among the Panchabuddha lingas, Arunachala is just the fire linga, but uh, Chidambaram is the space linga. So all the other elements emerge from space and return to space. So he's implying that Chidambaram is, is greater than Tiruvannamalai. That's one argument he gave. And anyway, he, he like this, he was kept on 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 saying things to try and convince Bhagavan that it would be a good idea to come and have darshan of uh, um, Chidambaram. So one day when he came, Bhagavan gave him a piece of paper on which he had written this first verse of of, um, of uh, Arunacha Navamani Malai. What Bhagavan sings in this verse is Achila um, Nei Ayinam Achil, um, achilane means achilam means he who is motionless. Ayanam means though though he is motionless. Um, Achabei uh, tanil in that sabe in that uh, in the sabha in the court of Chidambaram. Achile am ammadi. Achile am am he, though he is motionless, there he is dancing in front of um, uh, that mother, uh, who is actually actually means the consort of Achillan. Um So there, there are various stories about the, the dance of Nataraja in uh, Chidambaram, but in all the stories, it, uh, the, um, the, I mean, the principal idea is Devi was dancing. I think Devi had uh, had just killed an Asura. So she was in, she was dancing a frenzied dance of victory, and her dance was putting the whole of creation in danger. So the devas came and prayed to Lord Shiva to, uh, that he should put an end to the dance. So he danced in front of her 
in order to bring her dance to, uh, to a stillness. Um, so Bhagavan says, though his real nature is actually there he was dancing. But here, she she uh, subsides in his motionless form, and therefore Arunachala shines, um, the implication is Arunachala shines supreme. So when he, Bhagavan showed that verse to, the, uh, to that Dikshita, because he was a very good devotee, he understood what Bhagavan was saying there. He was understood what Bhagavan is saying. But the, the ultimate form of Lord Shiva is that Achala form of Arunachala. That is in, in, in outward manifestation, that is the ultimate form of Shiva because Shiva is by very his very nature Achala. He is his motionlessness is his very nature because he is pure being. So dancing is not his nature. In Chirambram, he had to dance for a particular reason. Um, in order to to subdue the activity of that Shakti, to sub subdue the, the dance of that Shakti. But here in Arunachala, he remains motionless, and through her great love for him, she comes and she merges in him. That is the implication of that verse. Um, so uh, that has a very deep philosophical significance because Shakti it can also, I mean, Shakti, the, the true form of Shakti is the power of grace. That is, Arunachala and his grace are one. So he and his Shakti are one. And Shakti is that power of grace. But Shakti, if we misuse that Shakti, we can use the same power that uh, enables us to return to our source. If we misuse it, we can use it to, as instead of using that power in the form of grace, which is its natural form, we can use it in the form of maya to rise and to, um, and to engage in all these activities. So the dancing of, of uh, Devi in Chidambram is re representing that, the dance of maya, the, power, the outward going, when that power is directed outwardly, the same power when directed outwardly is maya, when directed inwardly is grace. It's the same power. The power is one. Um, but the true form of that power is the inward-facing power of grace. But it, it, when we rise as ego, we, we distort that power and misuse it as the power of maya to engage in all these activities. So the, um, Bhagavan sometimes explained the dance of Nataraj in, in Chidambaram what it represents is the dance of, um, of course, not literally a dance, but it's a metaphor for the for the shining of sparana, for the clear, for the clarity of self-awareness that we gain to the extent to which we turn our attention within. That sparana is what will, Bhagavan compares it in Vichara Sangram to the, a flame that catches a piece of camphor. The camphor, in this case, is the mind and all its vasanas. Once it's caught by that uh, that flame, so long as the flame isn't put out, the flame will go on burning until the whole camphor is uh, consumed, and then only will the flame subside. So the, the, the dance of Nataraja is representing that sparana, the, the, the clarity of self-awareness that we gain uh, while practicing self-investigation, that is, to the extent to which we look within, to that extent do we do we begin to see more clearly what we actually are 
is not the body that we now seem to be. So long as we're looking outwards, we seem to be this body, this, this bundle of five sheaves, um, body and mind and so on. But the more we look within, the more we begin to recognize that what we actually are is only I and nothing other than I. That's why Bhagavan often described the sparana as the sparana I am I. Um, but in English books, it's often, um, I, when Bhagavan says I am I, it's often misinterpreted as I hyphen I, but it me, the correct meaning is I am I. That is, it's the sparana is the recognition of what we actually are is only I and nothing other than I. That recognition begins during the stage of practice when the, when it becomes fully clear that what we are is nothing other than that. That is the destruction of the mind. And that is the state in which Bhagavan says sparana subsides. What he means by the subsidence of sparana is not that the clarity of self-awareness comes to an end, but that it will cease to seem something new. It will become sahaja. So what was previously sparana will become sahaja. And that sahaja state is what is represented by our natural. So in Chidambaram, Chidambaram is, is, uh, is, represents the state of sparana, which is bringing the mind to a standstill, bringing, bringing about the subsidence of the activity of the mind. When the mind with great love finally subsides in, our, in, 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 in its source, that is our natural. That, so this is it's a, this um, this verse, though it is couched in the language of um, of Puranic stories, uh, and it's alluding to Puranic stories. It actually has a very very deep um, philosophical meaning and a very practical meaning in the context of Bhagavan's teachings. So Murugana uh, refers to this verse here. This is the this is the greatness of Arunachala. But this is the state where Shakti finally merges and becomes one with Arunachala. And since this is a, a marital garland, uh, it's a garland, it's a, a marriage garland, that is, Bhagavan is praying to Aranacha for that immutable union with him. That is, uh, this, this particular allusion is very appropriate here because uh, sh that Shakti merging in Aranachala is what Bhagavan is um, is praying for in this uh, song, which is pray that is that is the divine union that Bhagavan is praying for in this song of a divine marriage. Um, so that that's the, the meaning that discussed by Morgana. Coming back now to the the principal meaning and most obvious meaning of Alvaypol, like a mother. Um, when we take it in this simple sense of like a mother. Um, this verse is reminiscent of verse 6. In verse 6, Bhagavan sang, Indridam annail peridaral purivo iduvo unadaral aranachala. Aranachala, you who bestow aral or kindness, greater than the mother who gave birth, is this your aral, is this your kindness? Um, in both these verses, verses 6 and 14, Bhagavan refers to the aral. Uh, Arul, as I say, it means kindness, tenderness, affection, love, and solicitude. But a mother naturally gives to her infant child. He he refers to this as an analogy to illustrate the incomparable Arul or grace of Arunachala. But Arunachala is always showering on each and every one of his children, namely all jivas or sentient beings. 
Like all analogies, this analogy has its limitations. In this case, because the Aral of Arunachala is infinitely greater than that of a mother. So he uses this analogy only because in human relationships, the love, affection, and solicitude but are that as a general rule, a mother naturally has for her child or what comes closest in certain respects to the infinite grace of Arunachala. Though Arunachala is always sharing his grace on all jivas, we can recognize this only to the extent to which we surrender ourselves to him, because his grace is uh, extremely subtle, and it does everything that is necessary for us without ever actually doing anything, since it is what we actually are. So its nature is not doing, but just being. Uh, this is why we often overlook grace. We often overlook grace, which is ever shining in our heart. And we, we complain, oh, God is not gracious to me. He hasn't answered my prayers. He hasn't given me what I want. Uh, this is because we don't understand what grace is. We are unable to understand the subtle nature of grace. That is, since Arunachala is our own real nature, and since he and his grace are one, his grace is always uh, shining in our heart as our own being, I am. So it does not do anything. But since it is infinite and all-embracing love, it need not do anything, because whatever needs to be done is done by the power of its sanidana uh, visesha matram, uh, uh, just the special nature of its presence, as Bhagavan points out in the 15th paragraph of Nana. Um, there in that 15th paragraph, Bhagavan says, all the divine functions happen by only by the special, merely by the special nature of the, of, the, of the presence of God. The presence of God means his mere being. So in other words, by him just being as he is, everything happens as it's meant to happen. Um, so God is, uh, is, um, is taking care of everything just by being as he is. He doesn't do anything. He just remains as he is. Um, so this is the nature of grace. Um, therefore, whenever Bhagavan prays to Arunachala to give his grace, as he does in so many ways in this, these verses of Aksharamalai, he does not mean that Arunachala should give us anything that he is not always giving us, but that he should draw our mind back within so that we can see that his grace is ever-present in our heart and is always doing everything that is necessary for us. And that all we need do, therefore, is to surrender ourselves wholly to him, thereby ceasing to obstruct his grace by rising and dancing as ego. That is, when we rise as ego, we are we are turning our back on his grace. We are we are we are refusing what his grace is offering to give us. What his grace is always his grace is always trying to pull our attention back within. Because only when we uh, turn back within and sink into our heart will we find the infinite love that we're all um, seeking. But instead of yielding that grace, we're obstinately misusing that power in the form of Maya to know and to, to seek happiness in things other than ourselves. Um, 
Therefore, when Bhagavan asked rhetorically in verse 6, Idubo Unadaro, is this your grace? He is describing the state of a devotee whose mind is being dragged outwards by its multitude of vasanas, vishaya vasanas, inclinations to seek happiness in vishayas, objects or phenomena, which are what he describes in another verse of the five sense thieves, the Aimbala Kalva. And because the devotee's mind is being pulled outwards, the, the devotee therefore fails to recognize that his, his that his grace is shining eternally in her heart as her own being, I am. And he's therefore always waiting to embrace her whenever she is willing to surrender herself wholly to it by turning her entire attention back within. Um, that is the Akshramlai, what we, that is what Bhagavan is singing about throughout Akshramlai is this struggle that is going on in the heart of every true spiritual aspirant. On the one hand, our Vishaya Vasanas are pulling our attention outwards. On the other hand, the power of grace in the form that has planted in our heart the love to turn within, that grace is pulling us within. So there's this struggle going on in our heart between our love to surrender ourselves to grace and merge back into our source and our residual Vasanas that are still pulling our mind outwards. So that's what, that's what Akshramla is all about about that uh, Aropuratam, as Bhagavan calls it in a later verse, the warfare of grace. Um, whereas in verse 6, Bhagavan implies that showering his grace on all jivas is the very nature of Aranachala, just as it is the very nature of a mother to shower her love, affection and care on her infant child, in verse 14, he implies that this is not just his nature, but also his bounden duty. It is not only the nature, but also the duty of a mother to shower her love, affection and care on her infant child, irrespective of the good or bad qualities of the child, whether the child is healthy or sick, able-limbed or disabled, intelligent or intellectually impaired calm or tempestuous by nature, it is both her nature and her bounden duty to love it, to care for it, and to protect it. Her obligation to love, care, and protect her healthy, able-limbed, intelligent, and good-natured infant is no greater than it would be if he or she were sick, physically or mentally handicapped, or bad-natured. On the contrary, the more sick, disabled or bad-natured her child may be, the greater will be her obligation to shower her love, affection, care and protection on him or her. Likewise, when Bhagavan sings in this verse, Arunachala, like a mother, taking, yeah, giving me your grace, taking charge of me is your duty, he implies that it is the bounden duty of Arunachala to shower his grace upon us and thereby to take complete charge of us as his very own, irrespective of how worthy or unworthy we may be. Just because our mind is filled with and clouded by a dense multitude of Vishaya Vasanas and consequently always dwelling on worldly thoughts of the very worst kind, his obligation to love nurture and care for us, and thereby protect us and save us from ourselves, is no less than it would be if we were uh, 
if we were pure in mind and heart. On the contrary, the more impure, immature, sinful, and even evil our mind may and heart may be, the greater is his obligation to save us from ourselves by taking complete charge of us, uh, because he is not only our true mother and father, but also ourself, our very own real nature. So if we if we think about this carefully, we can see Bhagavan is giving us a very great assurance here. Bhagavan is, is declaring it is the duty of Haranachala, like a mother, to take care of us. Just as a mother has a greater duty to take care of the, um, of the, 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 the child who is sick or who is, um, who is uh, disabled or handicapped or whatever, um, the, the, the Arunachal's duty to take care of us is no less just because we happen to be um to to be lacking great love for him because we happen to have a very impure mind full of Vishaya Vasanas. His his duty is no less great. As Sadhuam often used to say, Bhagavan is a great spiritual doctor. He's the greatest of all spiritual doctors. If you go to the surgery of the greatest doctor in the world, you won't find patients with ordinary ailments, with cough and cold and minor ailments. You'll only find patients whose condition is so critical that no other doctor has been able to save them. So they, as a last resort, they come to the, to the, to the one doctor who can save them. So Bhagavan specializes, Arunacha specializes in, in saving the most unworthy of us. So however unworthy we may feel ourselves to be, our, our very unworthiness is our qualification for his grace. Of course, he showers his grace equally upon all, but we shouldn't think that, uh, that because we are unworthy, he's not going to be gracious to us. He will be, he's, his, his grace is like that of a mother. A mother is impartial. What, however her, her child may be, it is the very nature of a mother to love her infant child. Of course, human love is imperfect. So as the child grows up and the mother's love for the child may, um, it, it, it may, it may not, maintain the same intensity that it did as a, when the child was small. But in the case of Arunachala, his love is immutable. It's ever unchanging, ever equal, ever ever impartial, constant and equal to all. Um, so uh, we we should not feel that we uh that we are uh, uh, we we are unworthy of Arunachala's grace. The very fact that we have risen as an ego means we we he is our source, so he is our parent. So just like a mother has to take care of her children, has a duty to take care of uh, her children, Arunachala has a duty to take care of all of us. So if we are wise, what will we do? We will surrender ourselves to him, because the more we surrender ourselves to him, the more we are... Um, giving him carte blanche, a, um, uh, a blank check to do whatever he wants to us. We're giving him the right, the urime, as Murgana says. We, 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 become a, we, we become rightfully his, and he can do with us as we like. But for that, we need to surrender ourselves to him. Um, so, But not only is it the bounden duty of Arunachala to love 
care for, protect, and eventually save all jivas, it is also his nature to do so, because he is the infinite ocean and space of pure Anyamil Ambu. Anyamil Ambu is a beautiful term that Bhagavan uses in the fifth verse of Arunachala, um, of, um, of Arunacha uh, Pancharatnam. There he uses it in a different context, but Anyamil Ambu means otherless love, love for what is not other. Uh, so in, in the context of that verse, he's talking about the, the, but when we surrender ourselves completely to Arunacha, then we love everything without any sense of otherness. But he, I, I'm using the same term here, uh, uh, talking about the, the love that Arunacha has about us, that is the Anyamil Ambu, the otherless love, because he doesn't see us as Abhaman himself. Um, and hence he loves us, each and every one of us, without limit, as himself. Therefore, though Bhagavan compares the infinite love of Arunachala to the love of a mother for her infant child, he does so only for the sake of illustration, because the love of Arunachala is by its very nature infinitely greater than the love of a mother could ever be. However, though it is the very nature of Arunachala to shower his grace upon all of us and thereby to take complete charge of us, he is infinitely patient and will never force himself upon us. So he will not complete his task of eradicating ego until we are wholeheartedly willing to surrender ourselves entirely to him. Therefore, his grace is always working within our heart, gradually preparing the ground in such a way that we will eventually want nothing else but to give ourselves wholly to him by turning our entire attention back within to face him in our heart, where he is shining eternally as our own being, I am. This is why Arunachal, this is why Bhagavan prays to him in this verse, saying it is his bounden duty to complete his Aral Sayal, the work of his grace, by taking complete charge of him here and now. That is, though it is his nature to do so, saying that it is also his duty to do so indicates the willingness of a devotee who prays thus to surrender himself wholly to him. Because enne alavadu, taking charge of me or taking me as your own, means eradicating ego so thoroughly that we are completely deprived of our freedom to ever rise again as a seemingly separate I, thereby losing ourselves forever in him. So only if, only one who has intense, earnest uh, longing to surrender him or herself wholly to Arunachala and thereby be swallowed by him will 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 uh, will pray so forcibly to Arunachala. It is your duty to do so. Um, so that shows the intensity of love, but, but, the intensity of love that is required when we pray to him for the annihilation of ego. Um, as the Bhagavan sang in, in um, an earlier verse, in, uh, I think, verse, uh, verse 5, if I remember, no, verse, verse 7, it would have been. Uh, if you do not now... Um, if you do not now unite with me, destroying me completely, is this your manliness? That, that, such prayers show the intensity of love. 
And there Bhagavan says, destroying me now, this very moment. So Bhagavan doesn't want, uh, isn't praying for moksha at some time in the future. He wants to be destroyed here and now. Of course, Bhagavan had already passed that that uh, long before, but he sang this Aksharam life for our, our sake. So he, he's indicating to us that if we want to surrender ourselves to our natural, such intensity of love we should have to be destroyed here and now at this very moment. Um, being ekam eva advitiam, one only without a second, Arunachri is not bound by any duty or by anything else whatsoever. But from the perspective of his devotees, he is bound by one thing and one thing alone, namely the love for him that he is, by his infinite grace, planted and nurtured in the heart of each of his devotees. That is, since it is the very nature of Arunachri to always shower his grace on all jivas, and since the inevitable effect of his ever-showering grace is to eventually arouse love for him in our heart, his very nature as infinite grace thereby creates for him a duty, namely the duty to complete the work of his grace or his arrow sail by annihilating the ego of his devotee, thereby taking complete charge of her as his own, making her eternally one with himself. This is the consummation of the divine marriage of Jiva with Shiva, for which Bhagavan is praying with a melting heart in so many ways throughout this love song. Sri Aranach Akshara Manamalai. Om Namo Bhagavate Sri Aranachala Ramanaya. <laughs>